in the crucible with Christ. The important word we read here is with Christ. We all come into crucibles, of course, from time to time in our life. But it's important if you're in the crucible with Christ. Because then you still have hope. There's still something you can hope for. But otherwise, so we will have a close look at people in the Bible, how they managed to get through a crucible with Christ. So that we can get strength and surety and know what to do when we are in such a shadow of death. Grace be with you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to study the theme in the crucible with Christ. Lesson 5. Extreme Heat. Our memory text. Yet it pleased the Lord to praise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10. Abraham in the crucible. Reading Genesis chapter 22 gives us an insight into the heart of Abraham as no other chapter about Abraham. Out of nowhere, without explanation, God suddenly calls Abraham to offer his own child as a burnt offering. It's, it's something uh, no one can understand. So when, when you come across this text and you read it for the first time, you think, huh? Isn't there a command, one of the Ten Commandments, you shall not kill anybody? And here, in verse 2, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get you into the land of Moria, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. And Abraham was wise not to tell Sarah about it, if he had done so. <laughs> She would have done everything that this would not happen. But Abraham was able to know the voice of God. He knew it is not the devil. It is God's voice. He knew it. He was surprised. He was shocked. It, uh, he, he only knew, I have to do what he has told me. 
And in the next verse, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. And they had to walk there for three days. So it was far away. And they had much time to think over it. For example, he had much time. Because Isaac didn't know anything about the vision. And when the two servants were left behind and they walked up to the mountain, Isaac had a question. My father, in verse 7, here I am, my son. Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? What a question. And Abraham wasn't in the mood to answer at this point of time and said, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And it was like that. Just when he was about to sacrifice his son, he found a ram in the thorns and it was killed instead, in the last second. Wayward Israel. In the book of the prophet Hosea, there are some powerful lessons to teach us. Hosea is a prophet who has a very troublesome time because his wife Goma runs away and stays away. And she has children with other men. So she is sexually unfaithful. Imagine you a husband and your wife acts like this. And this is troublesome enough. But then God calls Hosea to take his wife back. This whore. And fully show his love to her again. This was an order by God. Take her back. Show that you love her. Uh, not, not many things are more difficult to, to act according to this command than that. And the prophet acts like this. And the people ask, what? And in those days... It's just impossible doing something like that. But he did, according to the command of God. And people ask, why on earth are you doing that? Are you crazy? You've seen what she has done. And you, and you, you show your love to her after all what she has done 
Imagine what she has done to you, how much pain she has created in you. And, and you just go there and say, oh, I love you, come back, everything is in order. That's impossible. Why should Hosea act like this? It was an illustration. Because all people were shocked, how could he act like this, this prophet? And God showed this illustration. You as a people have gone away, have gone to other gods, and these became important for you. But I, your God, still love you, and you have the chance to come back. This lesson they would never ever forget. Everybody knew this story of the prophet Osea. Everybody in Israel. And it was told and retold and retold and retold. And it was an illustration that God loves us as much as we can see here in this story. Surviving through worship. In the book of Job, we read that Job lost everything on one day. All his possessions, although he was a rich man, and all his sons and daughters, they were all in one house, and the house collapsed, and they were all dead. And then we read in Job 1, verse 20, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. If we could read here, And he cursed God. We could understand that. He worshipped God. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Moses has written this book of Job. Moses has experienced something like Job. He lost from one day to the other everything. He lived in a palace. He should have become Pharaoh in Egypt, the most powerful nation of those times. It was a superpower. Egypt. Wow. Look at the pyramids. Who on earth has ever built something like that? No other nation. They're still there. 3,000 years old, and they are there, like mountains. So the Egyptian culture of those days, enormous, of quality, great. They had hieroglyphs, so a kind of alphabet, letters, characters. And these hieroglyphs, Someone was able to find out so that we can read them today. And they had this kind of writing 
at a time when people in our area in Europe, <laughs> they, they didn't even know about writing, that this is something you can do. They just hunted bears and wolves and sows and so on. And the Egyptians were on such a high level of education. But in all of this, Moses lost everything and was in the desert and caring for the flock of his father-in-law. That's all. When he was 80 and then he was called. He learned in the desert, in the wilderness, what it means to be in trial, in troublesome days. Surviving through hope. When we are in a troublesome situation, the problem is we do not see any way out. That's the problem. We don't see how we could escape of this troublesome situation. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes in the first chapter, verses 8 and 9, we were under great pressure. So if you are under great pressure, the Apostle Paul knows how it is. We were far beyond our ability to endure. Far beyond we can read here, so that we despaired of life itself. You, you are more dead than alive. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Now, that's the end. But, and now this is the, the knowledge, but this happened. Yeah, why? that we might not rely on ourselves, but that we might rely on God, who raises the dead. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable what's written here. So Paul had endured more than most people. He was one of the best followers of Christ, one of the best missionaries that ever lived on this planet. And he had to endure more than anyone else, or more than the most, most of the people. But he was not crushed. Rather, he grew in his praise for God. What? Yes, he grew. Read his list of hardships in 2 Corinthians 11. He, he was stoned to death and, uh, and lived again. He The ship sank he was on. And he was just grasping a, a piece of wood and being on, on the surface of the sea in water. And the sea is not a swimming pool. There are waves going over you. And you have to try, 
try, try to, to breathe. And there, for one day, and for a second day, he was there in the sea and survived. Oh, he, he endured much more than most of all people, but he was not crushed. He grew in his praise for God. Why was he not crushed? He had this hope. Even when I'm dead, he will rise me from the dead. And I will live again. Even when I'm dead, I will live again. This was his hope. Extreme heat. In Isaiah chapter 43, we read, O Jacob, and he that formed you, O Israel, fear not. Why not? For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. By your name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for you. Since you were precious, in my sight. You have been honorable and I have loved you. Therefore, will I give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your seed from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name. For I have created him for my glory. I've formed him, yeah, I've made him. The people of Israel were in extreme heat. Jerusalem was captured and the nobility and the upper class and they were taken captive and as captives they were sent to Babylon. They had to walk on their feet hundreds of miles, hundreds. And they had, they had to think over their behavior past in the homeland. I had no time to think over it, how they had behaved. And this being captured, which went just straight into their hearts, the Lord had not helped them. This changed their behavior. They became followers of the Lord afterwards. 
So the Lord allowed this tragedy in the history of Israel, this Babylonian captivity of 70 years, that a new generation grew up with a different mood, different mind, different attitude. They understood the Lord wants us to reach our destination. And sometimes through such extreme heat, through such trials, and it helped. Summary. We read in this excellent book by Aung White, Patriots and Prophets, on page 129 and 130. God has always tried his people in the furnace of affliction. What can we read here? God has always, not sometimes, always tried his people. Whom? His people. In the furnace of affliction. Hmm. It is in the heat of the furnace that the dross is separated from the true gold of the Christian character. Aha! Here we find some information. Jesus watches the test. The gold test. He knows what is needed to purify the precious metal, that it may reflect the radiance of his love. That's, that's the aim. It is by close testing trials that God disciplines his servants. Hmm. He sees that some have powers which may be used in the advancement of his work and he puts these persons upon trial. In his providence he brings them into positions that test their character. I remember a story told by a young intelligent man, excellent education, and he wanted to get a an excellent job, top position, very, very good reward of money. And then he was there, the boss in front of him, and the boss said, excellent education, everything is excellent, but you will not get the job. Hmm? Yeah, why then? You're the best of all, but I can't take you. You why not? Just an hour before, you were there in the cafeteria. Oh, yes. And you got something to eat and drink. And I was just behind you. You didn't know me. And I watched you. And you cheated the assistant. You hit something, you did not pay for it. And because of that, I cannot give you this position of loyalty, 
of trust. Your character has to be developed. The young man was shocked. He had the best education. He had the, the, the best reputation, but not according to character, but according to knowledge only. And therefore, he did not get the job. What about you?